Good morning. If you remember uh, a couple weeks ago, I asked you if you'd pray for those who are involved in the uh, healthcare industry and aged care industry. And uh, Paul Egar has shared a testimony of something, of things that are happening in the hospital. So we're going to go to Paul and he can share. Well, hi everyone, and thanks for watching in. Uh, for those who I haven't met, my name's Paul, and amongst other things, I'm a volunteer hospital chaplain. You know, the last few months have been a very testing time for everyone, for the reason I included. When the COVID-19 pandemic reached Australia's shores, the chaplaincy department was stood down for our own protection. However, after a few weeks, the senior management have realised the importance of people's spiritual well-being as well as their physical and mental well-being, and that not only includes the patients, but their family members and the staff as well. I give thanks to God that uh, the staff at the hospital and all the various wards are seeking uh, us out and see the importance of the role of chaplains within the hospital. Because family members of those with COVID-19 won't be able to visit anyone in the ward, I, along with some others, were asked to go into the hospital to do personal protection equipment training so that we can visit those patients um, when they're in the ward. While at the hospital I had three significant encounters in just over two hours. The first occurred when I met with a group of doctors who told me they were fearful of contracting the COVID-19 virus or having to make decisions on who should receive treatment and those who would not. I discovered that day that many staff in the hospital are fearful and have concerns about what the future means for them in their various roles. Many staff are searching for answers and seem relieved that they can share their fears with someone else. I spoke with the doctors for about 30 minutes uh, during which we talked about those fears. And it was at that point that I realised that God is very much at work and present at the hospital. I then went into another ward where I spoke with a young couple. The young man had many difficulties throughout his life and wondered what God's role was in their situation. We were able to share the gospel together and they too uh, felt uplifted and inspired by our discussions. Once again I saw God very much at work and present at the hospital. Then finally I met with a nurse in another ward who I've been pastoring for the last six months. Her marriage collapsed last year and she had separated from her husband. I've been encouraging her to continue with her faith and to lean into God through her journey. When I visited her last week, uh, as I knocked on the door, there was a big smile on her face as she looked up and saw that it was me. And she shared that her and her husband had reconciled and she believed uh, that had come through God's work on them both. Once again, I realised that God is very much at work and present in the hospital. Some of the verses that I shared with the, the staff and the patients include Daniel 3, which is the story of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. And I'll just share uh, verses 16 to 18 with you, and it says this. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it, and he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods 
or worship the image of gold you have set up. Now this is a very important chapter because it, it really lets us know that no matter what we face, God will walk through that journey with us and carry us when we need to be carried. I also shared Matthew 11 verses 28 to 30, which reads, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my light is sorry, my burden is light. I also shared Philippians verse uh, chapter four verse six, which reads, "Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving." Present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And finally, I was able to share 2 Corinthians. Verses 3 to 5, which reads, Praise to be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. For just as the sufferings of Christ flow over into our lives, so also through Christ our comfort overflows. You ready? I just want to say hi. Good morning. I am here. Good morning. Mary sitting here. She's, she and Fiona and Johan are my audience today. So uh, so glad that you can join us this morning. Uh, I, I really appreciate Johan's mad skills in putting this all together. He did such a great job last week. In fact, not only did he add the scriptures, but he changed everything I preached and made it a whole lot better. <laughs> so pray for him more than me. No, seriously, glad that you're here. You know, I've, I struggled this week with what to, to share this morning. Uh, it's not that I don't have anything, I have lots, but what is God saying? And that's, that's the key. And I just felt there was a lot of noise and background and distraction and all kinds of stuff happening this week. And so uh, what I want to share with you this morning is just staying in peace. Staying in peace. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 26. Verse 3 says this, You will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you. You will keep him in perfect peace, not just kind of peace, but perfect peace, whose mind is stayed or fixed on you. That word mind is, actually is a creative mind. It's a imagination. It's our creative imagination. And that's an amazing thing. We have this wonderful imagination. Definition of imagination is the power of forming a mental image of something not present to the senses or never before wholly perceived in reality. Johan was telling me that he had a picture last week of how to put the scriptures in. And that was his imagination and he could see it before he did it. Uh, it's amazing. It's one of the characteristics that separate us from all other animals. 
we have the ability to change our environment. We can see what doesn't exist and then make it, which is amazing. If you think about technology, flying an airplane, every time we get in an airplane, um, fly across the ocean, you get this 200 kilogram plane that not only gets in the air, but it flies all the way across the ocean. Somebody had a picture of that and then made it happen. Communication, the fact that we all have a phone and we can talk to someone from almost anywhere wirelessly. That's amazing. Information that's available. I remember when Mary and I were younger, we lived in an island in the Pacific called Saipan and we would call Mary's parents and our kids were young. In fact, they were really infants, but they just couldn't connect because they couldn't see anyone. And there was a little time lag in the, the technology, you know, from a landline. And it was, it just, it was very difficult to communicate. And now we don't have to go to a phone, we have it. And it's just, it's amazing what's happened. The information we have available to us is, is staggering. And when you realize that my phone has more computing power than all that they had when they sent a man to the moon. That's, that's amazing to me. But that's part of that whole imagination. Add to that art, someone who can see a picture or a photo. All of our pictures here are photos that Mary's taken, different places we've been. Uh, or music, someone who can actually hear it before it exists and say, okay, we can make this happen. That's uh, one of the ways that we're made in the image of God. We have this ability to create. That's ab absolutely stunning. It's actually how God made us. And it's great. The problem is when we let our creative imagination run down the wrong road, it actually can become destructive. It steals our peace and brings in fear. I'll keep him in perfect peace whose mind, whose creative imagination is fixed on him, on God. But when it's not, when it runs someplace else, it brings in, it robs our peace and it brings in fear. Now there is different kinds of fear. There is a fear that is an awe or reverence of God. We recognize how great he is and there's a fear. There is a short-term reaction to danger a fear that you know our body dumps adrenaline in and we're ready to run or fight or whatever we need to and it's fear but there's a long-term corrosive fear that is detrimental it actually affects us mentally emotionally and even physically it's not god's plan uh, often we don't call it fear we call it other things like worry or anxiety, but it really is just fear. It's that creative imagination running ahead. Our imagination runs ahead and says, but what if? Yeah. What if this happens? What if this happens? This is, this is gonna happen and, and what if this? And pretty soon our emotions, our physical body don't, doesn't know the difference between what is an imagined crisis and what is a real danger. And it impacts us the very same way, negatively. Now, the reality is that we're facing 
a crisis in the world that has a scope far beyond most of our experience. Most of us have never experienced something like this. It's far beyond the scope, how many people it affects, the, the magnitude is much greater. I think that, that while the scope is greater, I want to say I actually don't think the depth is greater. What do I mean by that? A mother who is facing losing a dying child or a spouse, someone who has a spouse who is fighting with cancer, faces a fear that is as deep as anything that, that we face now. There's a lot of people facing that kind of thing. So there's a depth of fear and that can affect all of us. This makes it more universal. This makes it something that everyone can, can be impacted by. And unfortunately, it, it impacts some a whole lot greater than others. We live in a wonderful country and we're having much less of an impact. But still, there's an impact. But how do we stay in peace? Turn with me to Philippians chapter 4. From verse 1, it says, Therefore, my beloved and longed-for brethren, let me stop right there and tell you that we love you and long for you. Yeah. It really is difficult not being able to get together. Uh, we're able to connect, and I appreciate the, the care network and the, the leaders who are touching and you guys who are calling and, and wonderful, but we still miss. Uh, it's just not quite the same. Preaching, I, well, I'm thrilled that Mary is here and Fiona that I get to preach to and they're smiling at me. It's not quite the same without seeing your smiling faces. Uh, it says, my joy and crown. So, stand fast in the Lord, beloved. I want to encourage you. Stand fast in the Lord. Verse 7, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. The peace of God, which passes all understanding. And then one more over in John chapter 14 and verse 27. Jesus speaking says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. That's a good thing, but my question is, how? How do we stand fast? How do we not let our heart be afraid? Don't want to be uh, Forrest Gump. Don't worry, be happy. You know, just, how do we do that? So, I actually would like to share just some of my personal steps. You know, the Bible says that we're to be more than conquerors means there's probably something to be conquered. If one of the fruits of the Spirit is self-control, then there's probably something of ourself that needs to be controlled. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> Makes it easy. Uh, I want to share just some of the things that Mary and I have learned over the years. We, uh, we lived by faith for years as missionaries. We had a year where we had no fixed salary, just seeing God provide. And I learned some things, and I'm not saying that they're exactly the same for you, but I just want to share some of the things that I learned. And uh, four, 
four points that I'll share with you about how I've learned to stand fast and not let my heart be afraid. One is I try not to feed fear. You notice I say I try because sometimes I'm not very good at it. But what does that mean? It doesn't mean that I'm an ostrich that sticks my head in the sand and pretends nothing's wrong. Uh, nothing's happening. No, it's recognizing something's happening, but it's actually realizing I need to be careful what I allow my where I allow my creative imagination to run. And there are things that aren't helpful to that. I noticed looking at Netflix, as most of you have, we're stuck at home, that there's a lot of movies called like Pandemic and Outbreak and Contagion. And those are not the things to watch. <laughs> those are the things that feed fear. But it's also what, where we let our mind run. Uh, try not to let it run down the wrong road. Now, it's easy to say that, but how do, how do you do it? I found for me, I can't think of nothing. There is no off switch in my brain. I've been looking for it. It just doesn't work. Contrary to what they say about men have a nothing box, I don't. Does that mean I'm not a man? I don't know. But I, I, I can't find an off switch. And so it's, I found for me that I can't just say, I'm not going to think about that. It's like saying to you, don't think about pink elephants. Don't think about pink elephants. Whatever you do, do not think about pink elephants. Get your mind off of pink elephants. <laughs> All you think of is pink elephants. I'm not going to think about fear. I'm not going to think about fear. I'm not going to think about and All I'm doing is thinking about fear. Yeah. I'm not going to think about the, the strategies of the devil. I'm going to overcome them. I'm not going to. And that's all I'm focused on. All those things work against us. So if I can't not think about something, if I can't think about nothing, what do I do? I have to choose to set my mind on something else. It's not just enough to say, I won't think about that, but what will I think about? I have to admit there's fear. There's times when I didn't know where the next meal was coming from. Do I get focused on that or I just say, I'm going to take my mind off of that and put it back on. I'm not ignoring that, but I'm saying right now I can't do anything about that. Let me put my mind back on something else, back to God. I admit it. And so how do, how do you do that? I found for me some things. One is worship. Worship is one of those tremendous things that allows us to focus our creative mind on the awesomeness of God. Hebrews 12, 2 says, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Yeah. We fix our eyes on Him. And so there's something that happens in worship. I hope that you are actually worshiping. Yeah. As we put the stuff up, don't just sit and watch it. Let me encourage you, actually worship. Actually join in and say, I'm going to sing with this. I'm going to be a worshiper. I'm not just going to watch a performance. Okay, we're all worshipers. So let's, let's join in. Because we're not gathered, there is something that happens when we're together. It's amazing. There's something of a synergy and a something of the presence of God that's fantastic and we miss that. But you can still worship. And so don't just uh, fall back and do nothing. The other thing is the word. 
find that when I'm reading the Word, my focus is that I, I have this, the way God made me, I have this great ability to focus on one thing at a time. I grew up in a, in a family that uh, there were nine of us lived in a very small 1,000 square foot house. And there was always noise and there was always stuff happening. I shared a bedroom with my two other brothers. Uh, I would do my homework at the dining room table. Sounds terrible, isn't it? I had a great childhood, but... In the kitchen table, not dining room, kitchen where everything was going on. And, but I just learned to focus. And I would tune everything else out. And I find that as I'm in the Word and get focused, my mind, all this other stuff has no place. And so I'm able to focus. I hope that you can, but that's for me. The other thing that I fix my mind on is God's prophetic promises. Good. Timothy 1.18, Paul says, fighting the good warfare with the promises that were spoken over you. I keep a record of things God has said. Promises, and I go back and reread them. Yeah. Scriptures that he's spoken to me prophetically. I go back and reread them, and there's something about lifting my eyes above the circumstances around and see something greater. Good. For me, in addition to that, that I can sometimes find uh, what I call neutral brainless activity. <laughs> there are some things that I can't not think about something, but I can read a book or watch certain things on TV that are pretty much neutral, brainless. Play ping pong or something. You know, something that brainless, neutral brainless activity, because there's, there's negative brainless activity. <laughs> you don't want to put your mind in neutral when something's negative. Are you still with me? <laughs> okay, moving along. All this chirping here. Third thing that I uh, I do, not trying not to feed fear, setting my mind on something else. The third thing I do is ask God for His perspective. Now, you can't do that. I can't do that if I haven't done number two. If I haven't got my mind fixed on God, I can't ask Him for His perspective. If I'm focused on the problem and I'm asking God for His perspective, my, the, the focus on the problem and the fear that, genera that generates filters what I hear God say. And I believe there's a lot of that happening in the world. People haven't got their eyes fixed on Jesus. They're on the problem. They're asking for God's perspective, but they're seeing it in light of this problem rather than what is God's bigger picture. And so I ask God for His perspective. Let me give you a couple that I feel for this season, for me and I hope for you. Isaiah chapter 60, verse one says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. You don't have to try and shine when the glory of the Lord's upon you. You just do it. Behold, darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will rise over you, and His glory will be seen upon you. And the Gentiles will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your shining. 
I believe there's something of God shining through his people today. There is a rising and a shining. There is a darkness, obviously, that covers the uh, earth and deep darkness the people. There's people without hope, people who are fearful, people who are almost panicked. Yet as we come and receive the peace of God, He shines as a light through us. And He does it through every single one of us. It's not through church organizations. It's not through media. It's actually through us as people. As you come in contact with, with people. Isaiah 27, another one. Verse 13 says, So it shall be in that day, the great trumpet will be blown. They will come who are about to perish. They will come who are about to perish. In the land of Syria, the outcast in the land of Egypt, and shall worship the Lord in the holy mountain in Jerusalem. There's something, I believe, of a calling of God. Now that term trumpet, it's a, a biblical concept. If you look at it, it was the trumpet that blew when God appeared to Israel uh, when he shared the, the covenant with them at Mount Sinai, uh, Exodus 19, there was a sound of a trumpet. There was a trumpet that was blown uh, for the year of Jubilee. There was a trumpet that was blown when they brought the ark into Jerusalem. Uh, Matthew talks about the trumpet sound as Jesus returns. Now we can picture a trumpet or is there something of a call of God? drawing people, a shining of God in the midst of darkness. Jesus says in John 6, 44, no one comes to me unless the Father in heaven draws them. I believe there's something of the Father drawing people today. I met a guy a number of years ago in South Africa. He had lived in India for quite a while. And he found that there was something of a move of God. People were having, Muslims having dreams and visions of a man in white. And he would, his whole ministry was, while he traveled in India, he would ask people, have you had a dream or vision of the man in white? And literally hundreds had. He said, can I tell you about him? His name is Jesus. Now when those, when he came across someone who hadn't, he just felt that they weren't quite ripe yet. He wasn't against them. He just said, they're not ripe. Jesus said, the harvest is plentiful. Look, the, the fields are ripe for harvest. Let's go find the ripe ones. And so he did that. And he found that people were open because the Father had already been drawing them. There's something of the Father drawing people in this day and age. There's something of people as their fear, as their helplessness, even as they're stuck at home and they're able to take a moment and something of God breaks in. And into that, we get to shine. Isn't that amazing? The Bible says that God has set the time and the place of our dwelling. We were made for this time. And so let's not allow the things we see around us to rob our peace. Let's fix our eyes. He will keep him in perfect peace. Or actually it says you will keep him in perfect peace. 
whose mind is fixed on you. For he trusts in you. I believe he's wanting to keep us in perfect peace. Fourth thing that I found that helped me stand fast and not be afraid is remembering the covenant. I'm in covenant with God and he's in covenant with me. In a few minutes, we're going to share communion, which is just that, cause us to remember the covenant. That's amazing. I mean, we've been studying that in the theology class. We're going to see more. But that God actually enters into this covenant with us and he says, everything I have, I make available to you. Isn't that incredible? I just think it's, it's amazing. Before we go to that, can I just pray? I just want to uh, ask the peace of God. Jesus said, my peace I give to you. Peace that passes understanding will guard your hearts and minds. Lord, we just thank you for your word. Thank you for your presence. Lord, as we're coming into Easter week, we realize that you are alive and you're present with us. So Lord, I just pray that you would pour your peace right now for every single one of us. As we fix our mind on you, you give peace, supernaturally. It's not as the world gives, it's not based on circumstances, but it's based on something that goes beyond that. So Lord, I pray right now, your peace, where we've allowed fear to enter, where we've allowed uh, our peace to be robbed. Lord, right now we choose to turn our focus back to you. Thank you that you're the God who gives peace. Lord, we know that you're much more than that. You're the God who calms the storm. You're the God who brings healing all those wonderful things, but you're also the God who gives peace. And so we just release your peace even as we now share in communion. We're reminded that we have access. We can come boldly to your throne room of grace and receive grace to help. And Lord, thank you that we can do that. In Jesus' name. Amen. Steve is going to lead us in communion now. I'm going to encourage you. Join in. Don't just watch it. Grab whatever you have. If you don't have bread and juice, it's not the elements. It's the heart. And let's enter into that place of communion and covenant. Amen.